0: Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc.
1: The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Well, taking a look at Janet Yellen, she said that the U.S. economy is on a good path to bring inflation down without a major weakening in the labor market. Separately, Yellen weighed in again on U.S. tensions with China. She indicated that tariff reductions are not on the table. She said that China has failed to address the unfair trade practices that triggered U.S. tariff hikes uh, in, in the country. Let's go back to Yellen speaking exclusively with Bloomberg.
0: Slow growth in China can have some negative spillovers. Uh, For the United States, uh, growth is slowed, but our labor market continues to be quite strong. Um, I don't expect a recession.
1: Jenny Yellen also said that any moves to curb outbound U.S. investment to China, which we're expecting maybe within the next month, would be narrowly targeted and based uh, solely on national security considerations. Now, Microsoft's bid for Activision Blizzard gaining more momentum. Bloomberg's Tom Busby on that. After defeating the U.S. Federal Trade
2: Commission's antitrust lawsuit last week, Microsoft on Monday cleared another regulatory hurdle, this one in the U.K., in its planned $69 billion buyout of the video game maker Activision Blizzard. Officials in the U.K. paving the way for the companies to hammer out alternatives to a veto on that deal. Also helping with regulators, Microsoft agreed to a truce with Sony to keep Activision's popular Call of Duty games available on
1: the PlayStation for 10 more years. Tom Busby, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. And breaking news, we hear that Microsoft and Activision Blizzard are nearing the finish line on the deal, but they're not likely to close it by the Tuesday deadline. We're told the companies do not plan to walk away from the deal, though, and will continue seeking the final regulatory approvals needed for closing. Well, Ford Motor Company, as mentioned, is slashing prices on the electric version of its best-selling F-150 pickup. We get more on that from Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow. One model, the Pro, is is cut by up to seventeen percent. We just caution, though, that the Pro is is a model that's directed at fleets and and commercial use. But the XLT 311A drops from sixty-four thousand to fifty-four nine nine five. And yeah. <laughs> what Ford is saying is two things: improved capacity; they're able to build more of them at higher volume, and and also improve cost bill of materials, right? Um, and, and, and that I think is really interesting in the context of inflation right now. Well, Ford is acting in part to fend off competition coming from Tesla and General Motors. GM began building an electric version of its Chevrolet Silverado pickup earlier this year, and Tesla revealed over the weekend that it has built its first Cybertruck. Investors reacted negatively to Ford's price cuts Monday. Shares were down 6% at the end of the day. Well, Morgan Stanley and Bank of America are among the banks reporting earnings tomorrow in the United States. Let's get a preview here from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. Both report before the
2: open of U.S. trading. Analysts and investors will be watching Morgan Stanley for signs of fees stabilizing and a possible decline in trading revenue from a year earlier. Bloomberg intelligence analysts say the firm's recent plans for job cuts signal a more pessimistic view on capital markets revenue in contrast with management's optimistic comments on mergers and acquisitions. At Bank of America, analysts and investors will be watching for for a potential slowdown in
1: loan growth and net interest income. In New York, Charlie Pellett, Bloomberg, Daybreak Asia. Pretty good day from some of the banks that already reported. J.P. Morgan up 2.4 percent, Citigroup with a gain of 1.1 percent. Well, the most indebted developer, China Evergrande, has released its long-delayed earnings results. We get the story from Bloomberg's Joanne Wong.
2: Evergrande posed a combined losses of more than $81 billion over two years. That's according to filings of the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. The earnings marked the company's first two full-year losses since its listing in 2009. It's a long-awaited update. The company's wills have come to symbolize China's housing crisis. Over the past two years, the Chinese government restricted borrowing by developers and consumers curbed home purchases. As a result, Evergrande's debt soared to $360 billion, With the developers filing, the question now is when will the stock start to trade again? Bloomberg Intelligence also says there is potential now for approval of the firm's debt restructuring plan. In Hong Kong, I'm Joanne Wong, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia.
1: I'm Brian Curtis in Hong Kong. My colleague, Vonnie Quinn, will join us in a later hour of the program. All of a sudden, we have two major drivers for the bulls, uh, inflation falling a little quicker than expected, and secondly, a better M&A environment after the Microsoft Activision Blizzard deal. Now, we mentioned that it's not final yet, but it is moving towards that. And in addition, you heard the Treasury Secretary there, Janet Yellen, more or less shrugging off China's stumbling growth, saying that would affect countries in Asia more than the United States. And as you heard, she's not thinking recession. Our guest coming up shortly, Joyce Chang from J.P. Morgan. Now it's time for Global News. The U.S. is going to bolster its presence near the Strait of Hormuz. Ed Baxter with Global News in the 960 newsroom in San Francisco. Ed?
3: Yeah, that's right, uh, Brian. It comes as a medal of a destroyer and fighter aircrafts, including F-35s. White House Deputy Press Secretary Sabrina Singh says there have been a number of recent incidents involving merchant ships near the Strait.
2: In light of this continued threat and in coordination with our partners and allies, the department is increasing our presence and ability to monitor the strait and surrounding waters. Now,
3: Singh says uh, it's the globe's most important passageway for the transport of oil. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says the diplomacy in the area will soon get worse as counterterrorism positions in Egypt, Lebanon, and Israel will soon have no ambassador presence. He's calling on Congress to clear the backlog of confirmations. For reasons that have nothing to do with the nominee's qualifications or abilities, they are being forced to proceed through individual floor votes. Over a third of those nominees have been waiting approximately a year or more. Some longer than 18 months. Says the country can't continue to operate that way. Taiwan vice president and top candidate for president, Lai chang Tai will stop in the U.S. next month and route to South America. These plans risk upping tensions again with China. South Korean President Yoon Suk-yeol has headed to the storm-battered towns of South Korea as the latest downpours left at least 40 people dead and nine missing. Extreme weather, a major story in the U.S. as well today. The deadly flooding on the eastern seaboard stretching from Vermont down to the Carolinas. Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont with the key question. What the hell is going on here? Yeah, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy says unprecedented. We've seen it, but not at this level. And and I think we all fear that that's going to be
2: the new norm. And we can't be dragged by that. We've got to get out ahead of it.
3: And Senator Richard Blumenthal takes it a step further.
2: People take for granted that there's going to be affordable produce on their table we can't take it for granted.
3: Yeah, Death Valley recorded 128 degrees yesterday, four degrees short of the all-time hottest place on earth record. And New York's air quality drops again today as a Canadian wildfire smoke returns. New York City has a new police commissioner. His name is Edward Caban. The NYPD is the most consequential police department in all of law enforcement. Its storied history is living legacy of valor, bravery, sacrifice. Kaban started his uh, law career uh, enforcement in 1991. He becomes the first Latino NYPD commissioner. Georgia court now has rejected the Trump bid to block the grand jury report, another loss for Trump, CNBC report. And guess who now holds the record for the woman with the most Billboard number one albums in history? Dramatic pause. I think you have it. Taylor Swift now has 12 with his speak now. Barbara Streisand now number two at 11. Swift also has four cuts in the top ten at the same time. That ties a record for most simultaneous top ten hits by a living person. Herb Alpert also did it in 1966. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg
0: The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc.
2: Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time.
1: This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Our guest is Joyce Chang, Global Research Chair at J.P. Morgan. Joyce, I referred to it as a a couple of gifts for the bulls over the past week. Um, Inflation falling a little quicker than expected. And I know there's some qualifications there, too, but that's generally the perception. And secondly, a a better M&A environment after the Microsoft Activision deal. And again, there's some qualifiers on that. But um, people are running with this story. Do you like it? Do you like the environment at the moment?
0: well look I think this environment's still going to continue for a bit of time but I do caution on some of the longer term risk here particularly since the valuations um, are also you know, running along um, as as well so I think that look the June CPI report stole the show last week both on the headline and the core coming in below expectations but you know my question really is is two and a half rather than three percent really declaring victory on inflation so I think you could continue to to see the goods inflation coming down. You can also see some emerging market central banks actually looking to ease ahead. So this could continue for a while. But what I'm more concerned about is that as we see growth um, reaccelerating, accelerating um, and still that more tightening might need to happen in the developed market countries, are you looking at just consequences further down the road? Now, maybe that goes mm, into yeah. 2024, though.
1: Yeah, that's that's what it, I think it comes down to kind of which camp you're in. Uh, you know, do you believe this is late cycle? And do you believe that, you know, we we have to go through the, the recession, we have to go through uh, the market bottoming out after uh, the Fed starts cutting interest rates, and it hasn't even fully committed to a pause yet. So there's that camp. And then there's the other camp that says, look, you know, this is so different this time because of the, the pandemic and all that you can't look at it as a, as a normal cycle. We could be starting a bull cycle here. That's what that camp believes.
0: So I, I think that this, this run could continue for more time. But what I'm really worried about is that if you look at the services side, services inflation, the tightness of the labor market, I mean, that's still a really big concern. And we have not seen those pressures um, going away. So I think that um, the question is, as we get into the first half of next year, and we do start to see more um, of a growth slowdown, but we still see labor tightness, inflation um, higher than where central banks are comfortable, are you going to see just more pressures on this higher for longer? And some of the real rates then, um, the uh, the move that we've seen on the tightening playing through next year. Now, I think it's still a mild recession. But I think investors at this point have sort of said, we're not going to position for recession right now, because this is not the near term trade um, that we see coming out.
1: Yeah, I'm curious about demand. When you see you know, Ford cutting costs, uh, they, they've not dressed this up as we want to stimulate demand, but many people will read it that way. You wonder whether or not we're, we're starting to see some of the early signs of, of a slowdown.
0: I mean, we are seeing some early signs of a slowdown. I mean, there's definitely a mix in the economic data that's coming out right now. But importantly, the consumer demand still remains very strong, and the Mm -hmm. labor market conditions remain very tight. And you don't have the kinds of imbalances that we've had on the household balance sheet and the corporate balance sheet. So I still come back to that, you know, it's labor market tightness um, that we're looking at, um, when you might see more of a shift in business sentiment. And we just haven't seen that data really. Uh, you know forthcoming at this point. So I think that investors at this point don't want a position for recession and they're trying to figure out where can you really find value in this market because so much is price for perfection.
1: Yeah, that's why some have gone to industrials and to transports, and uh, and even today you had a bounce in uh, in banking. Uh, so I, it's, it's, uh, it's a curious one. I wanted to ask you about uh, the Hukou system, some of these uh, subtle changes in China. Zhejiang province talking about uh, removing these restrictions on household registrations. Uh, it's, it's essentially um, an effort to, uh, to regain growth, to stimulate growth, uh, but it's also kind of dressed up by President Xi as part of a common prosperity. Um, how do you read this? Is it too small to take real note of?
0: Well, look. I think the government is going to step up some of the policy easing measures because the second quarter really disappointed. But I think this is going to be pretty modest. So there is, you know, some, um, you know, nationwide, you know, housing policy easing that could be forthcoming. But when we look at monetary policy easing, we're thinking another ten basis points on the policy rate cuts. You know, twenty-five basis points on the triple R cuts. So I think that um, the third quarter should be better for China's growth. But we've taken China's growth down by nearly half a percentage point from where we had it and the real issue that we're looking at it's not just the housing market it's private entrepreneurs and here we've seen really that private entrepreneurs um, you know um, you know, that's where the the private investment just hasn't mm. come back yet and yeah. so I think you know the slowdown was actually broad-based in the second quarter so it's not just housing but I don't think you can expect the type of stimulus that we've seen from China in the past
1: yeah I've squawked probably more than most about uh, what it changed Change, that is about policymakers approach to the private sector uh, it hasn't really worked yet as you said but will it work going forward if the private sector feels more empowered
0: well look I think right now the Chinese economy is facing weak demand and weak confidence amongst the consumers and the private entrepreneurs so you know both the May and the the April n- um, numbers before that came in below expectations and we saw that the slowdown was pretty broad base
3: Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130.
1: Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day
3: right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Neyka. And I'm Skip Bronson.